0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always, I am joined by Will Murden. How's it going tonight, William?
1: I'm going well, my friend. How are you?
0: I'm good. I mean, it's school holidays. The weather is just fine. Uh, I've got a little bit of a trip away, actually. I'll, I might get to that a little bit later because it's happening over the National Championship game. So I'm actually not going to hit it live. Which is told. a little bit disappointing, but I will catch it up. I I promise. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep it quiet in terms of knowing the result. But yeah, like I I feel like being on holidays. I'm getting some work done now, so that leaning into my week away, I can really relax and enjoy that. So are
1: you, are you going yeah. to try and media blackout? Are you going to give it a go?
0: I mean, I could. Yeah, I could. Like, there's nothing. I'm one that when I get away, I'm more than happy to... I could turn my phone off for a week. In fact, I might even and just not do it. Like, I've got no need to speak to people. Like, you know, we're in our 30s now. We got kids. No, like, I'm not missing out on anything by... I don't have Facebook on my phone anymore. So, there's one social media outlet that would be gone anyway. You uh, definitely have
1: a couple dozen messages from me across the duration of the game. Oh,
0: yeah, it would be that would be fucked. <laughs> uh, I feel like if I was here, I would just come and see you, and we'd do it together because that's something we usually do do. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, so no, I, you know, I'm going down the coast, so we'll take the surfboard and um, just chill out, and uh, that would be. Nice enough, I think. And, and I, I feel like I could give it a crack. It'd just be hard because I leave like the day before the national championship. So it'd be like a five day blackout that I would yeah. have to do.
1: Like if you turn the phone off, that's it. You're clear. It, it ain't going to be on TV anywhere. Not that you'll be watching that, but like you just yeah, won't exactly. get it. Yeah. Up, you so. know
0: what? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm I like going it. media blackout. Let's do it anyway um so yes i'm going okay how have your holidays been you've still got six days left in the chamber or well, probably five really um what are the plans from this point out
1: uh, not a whole heap i've got a uh, a child's birthday tomorrow which is exciting yeah. uh that's that's kind of where we're at these days with the social outings but no, it's it's been very low-key switching off Trying to get away from it all and and not do too much. I watched a lot of college football, to be honest, over <laughs> the last what was it like five days? So obviously not like today, mm. yesterday, but when when we we're in the heart of it over the weekend, it was just getting up at four a.m. and then watching until like four p.m. because they they just they ran them yeah through that, and they were good enough games. And I'm like, look, this isn't going to be around much longer, so I. Uh, I did it, and I committed to it, and I enjoyed it. But it is also a taxing experience, and the family yeah. isn't thrilled about it. They they now understand when the football's on that they, you know they'll give me my space and they won't complain too much. But they're not thrilled about it. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and and I think the thing for uh, my side is that. Like I walk away from the AFL season now. I don't really have a vested interest in AFL, so I then take a step back and I'm pretty good from this point on. Like I'm literally four, five days away from probably not watching sport, although there's Winter Olympics or something. We got Winter shit. Olympics this, this year. Yeah, see that I can pour some hours into. But like if it's not an Olympic year, I can step away for majority of the year. I don't mind a bit of Tour de France every now and again. But. <laughs> You didn't join us for this shitty conversation. You joined us because this is a recap of the semifinal. We're actually going to get to our preview here as well tonight of the national championship game because we believe there's nothing too new or exciting to really dive into here. And I wish our analysis could be deeper and, and more impressive, but it's just not going to be because we saw this game a couple of weeks ago. Uh, So we are going to get through all of that. We've got some news we're going to hit as well. We're going to get to the other games that did occur in this bowl season that were really, really enjoyable. In fact, far more enjoyable than the semi-final games. Um, And a a bunch of other stuff as well. We've got championship draft to get to. We have got on the punt and Will May be in danger of actually making some money again. No, he didn't. You went close though.
1: You went really close. Looking good. Good.
0: Yeah, until you picked up. Uh You know, so there's a whole bunch of stuff we've got to get to. So please do stick around before we carry on. And we're going to, I'm really excited about some of the stuff that we've been talking about with the Vault Studio Boys. And we're part of that podcast network now. But um, Jay, really keen now to get on board and, and get involved with the show and, and come on board. And so we're going to, it sounds like we've got a little, a couple of things in the works with him as well, which will be good fun. Burnley Brewing, as always, um, on school holidays, so enjoy a couple of, tipping down a couple of Burnley Brewings. Uh, and again, Melbourne, go fucking trash yourself over there, getting COVID and drinking heaps of beers um, of the Burnley variety because, I mean, everyone is, so you should too. That's a lot of the formalities. A <laughs> couple of things for you. I've said a lot of words already and I've had a few beers, so this is going to go well. Hopefully, I don't melt down These quite are as badly as I These did the other are time. These always the best ones. <laughs> Squid Game. Watched it, finally. Oh, well done. Uh, don't have any great takes on it. Don't know what I think. Uh, it was okay. It was fine. The thing that I dislike the most, and this is such a like douchebaggy perspective I shouldn't even really say it and I've got a I've got another thing that I'm going to address with you around the gardening situation that's far more enjoyable but I like that it was one season and I didn't think they needed to come back with a second season but Netflix in their money making power hungry um, decision making process decided that season two would be good i don't think it needs it like it is, there, it there, is.
1: I, I 100% agree with you on that there are some shows that it's just like well set up for a single season sort of deal let it play it's course. Cool. but then it makes money and they're like we can do this again yeah. i was watching a, a lesser known one on netflix exact same deal russian doll uh it's one of those time loop ones or like the groundhog mm-hmm. day And exact same thing, right? Like, this chick dies every day and she keeps reliving her 36th birthday. Not bad. Like, not a great show, but not bad. Uh, This this isn't You've watched a lot of shit shows, so. It's not bad. That's okay
0: for you.
1: Um, It's watchable. I watched it all in one night. Um, Oh, God. I'm on holidays. Uh, But, anyways, they're talking about season two. And I'm like, well, once you kind of break that loop, you don't. You you can't go back to another death loop. You can't do that. Like it's it's done. Let it yeah. let it go.
0: And America's the worst at that. Like England like British productions generally, if anything, pull the pin a little early. Way too early. Or like Game of Thrones and not so much, but like yeah. a, a a lot of them do. They're just like, Yeah, this has run its course and everyone's Or like, even
1: like Doctor Who, like really popular characters like no, yeah. you gotta go, champ. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Doesn't matter. It's, it's brutal.
0: Anyway, anyway, that's so. That's my take. I actually didn't hate Squid Game. I didn't. It was a little predictable. Um, it was a bit. And even I picked the old guy episode yeah. one when he was giggling around, running, and while people are getting shot and dying. Like I, I picked that out the gate. So um, yeah, but not a bad show. Anyway, second thing. We I share like the back corner of my place. This is a gardening question. Shares. Okay. Uh, like the corner shares a fence to the property to the right of me and then we both share a back fence to the property behind. Obviously, the property behind is far bigger than our two properties because that we're sort of like a T-junction up the the guts. Anyway, that particular um, property had bamboo. They grew bamboo and if you know anything about bamboo, it's quite aggressive, came under the fence and has grown up on our side and on my neighbor's side as well. I have cut all mine down and but digging the roots out is fucking hard work like real hard work My question is can I poison the shit out of my own bamboo on my side of the fence and if it if that poison runs under the fence and kills the neighbor's bamboo is that okay
1: It, it feels like it's definitely gonna kill it well, let's just uh, um, <laughs> you've come to the right place for this gardening question because I'm a guy who has no idea but. Yeah. All like straight off the bat, it's definitely going to kill your neighbor's fence. So let let's let's just assume that that's definitely going to happen. If we now look onto your rights in this side. situation, <laughs> yeah. I think you can do anything on 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 your land here. So if that means injecting this stuff in and and it so happens that's a byproduct of that action, I'm okay with it. It makes sense to me. Uh, I, I think it makes sense. Like you're gonna. You're going to have an awkward conversation in a few months' time when... <laughs> yeah, when never met the guy,
0: to- so don't know... Don't know what that's going to be like. But apparently the bamboo started in his property. Like it it just grew under the fence onto ours. And we're like, well, this works as a good screen. I don't want it there anymore now. I want it gone. I want to be able to peer into his backyard. Yeah,
1: that's what it seems. (laughs) I've got questions about that. Maybe that can be a follow-up. Maybe not for now. But I do have questions about why you're breaking down this fence to look into (laughs) old mate's backyard. I'm not
0: breaking down the fence. I'm breaking down the bamboo that screens in that fence area. But anyway... Um, so so Will's like poison You're, <laughs> Yeah, I, feel, uh, yeah I, I knew I came to the right place okay uh, let's get to some news we're going to have to hustle through this very very quickly there's not heaps and there sort of is like, there's a lot of work around the portal at the moment obviously um, the big news is that Caleb Williams the Oklahoma quarterback which took over after Spencer Rattler completely fucking imploded Uh, Took over, beat Texas, and then ran out the rest of the season. Clearly not happy with Brent Venables being the new coach. Apparently has entered his name into the transfer portal. Uh, No idea where he's heading just yet, and is even open to returning to OU. So uh, thoughts on this situation, Will?
1: First thought feels like a cash grab, right? It is an opportunity for you to open up the checkbooks again, open up your recruitment again, and go, look, Oh, you, I love you, but I'm, I'm open for business. Whoever's going to pay me the most money is where I'm going to go, first thought. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. Secondly, I'm really hoping he goes to South Carolina, follows <laughs> Spencer Rattler there and just fucks up his sh- I think that would be good. Uh, the, the word I am hearing out, though, is that he's targeting Georgia. That's his uh, preferred yeah, destination. I've, That's where he wants I to go. I
0: have heard nothing confirmed, obviously. It's all speculation at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean Georgia have struggled at that quarterback position probably since Jake From left, and you know they let Justin Fields walk and all that kind of stuff. But um, certainly Stetson Bennett whilst he has got them to a national championship game. well
1: He's a senior I now, mean, so I think he. Yeah, the and I mean AJ
0: is... McCarron, AJ McCarron got to a national championship. Do you know what I mean? Like he's not. Yeah, but so, he's like he's Stetson Bennett's done
1: product. right. Like this is his senior year, so he's moving yeah, on. Yeah. The JT Daniels feels like the guy who would be it, and he hasn't. Been able to win that job it over Stetson. can and-
0: Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Uh, but I, I think you know, it opens up some interesting conversation here around players clearly having the ability to commit to a coach rather than a school. Um, and the fact that now with this transfer portal is that they can chase whoever they want... Um and and a lot of it does tend to centre around when the coach changes. So you feels, like he could he could duck off to USC with Lincoln
1: Riley. Absolutely could, but that feels naive. That the these chasing coaches. I think he's very much chasing cash here.
0: Oh, I, I, don't get me wrong. Absolutely, and I think this whole portal situation. Uh, very, we'll probably go into this in the off season and yes, it would be a cash grab. Has the portal been a net positive for college football? Yes or no?
1: Oh, off I the too, top of your head. Off the top of my head, reaction. my initial thoughts are no, it has not.
0: Has NIL been a net positive for college football?
1: From what angle? From a player? Absolutely. From a, from your as a consumer of it? Probably not.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, interesting that the, the two new additions to college football have certainly helped the players and, and I suppose that's always been the group that has missed out. Um, but there's clearly far more to be garnered and, and understood in both of these spaces, whether it's the portal or NIL yeah, well. And, and so- the
1: other thing that I look at it is like, has it actually changed all that much? Like we've seen some big high profile moves to big programs, but that happened anyways. Like we, we see, you know, the, the recruiting from a recruiting sense, these guys are doing really well because they're able to lure dudes with NIL money. They were doing it with like, duffel bags of cash beforehand anyways. Yeah, anyway. this, this really hasn't changed anything. It's not like, oh, we've lost parity in college football. That didn't exist.
0: No, but the I think the argument was that the portal was supposed to be the great equalizer. The, so it was supposed the, the, to
1: help where in essence it's done nothing. If anything, yeah. maybe made things slightly worse.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it makes it hard for someone like oh, OU who, you know, you Brent Venables may go to a school and say, yep, I've got my quarterback in place and all of a sudden he's like, Shit, I've now lost theoretically, and I don't know this is a hypothetical, but I've lost my Heisman favorite quarterback in the same year that I've lost my, you know, five-star replacement quarterback or whatever. And I, I think, and I think that's, I think the hard part about that is that co- coaches now are on a shorter leash; they've got less time to get things right, and an established quarterback like a Caleb Williams who we know is quite talented, he now doesn't have, so he's got to start from scratch at the most critical position in all the sports, which makes it tough.
1: I I will counter that to say, I think that's probably a good thing though, where these boards and boosters and whoever's pulling the strings making these decisions need to factor that in when ultimately ousting some of these coaches. Because I think it's happening too soon in uh, a lot of cases. And now with this as a ramification, it, it kind of has them having to think about that and weigh that in to go, well, if we do flick this guy, we're, we're really blowing this thing up.
0: But I think, yeah, I, I agree. And I won't labor this point too much more, but a lot of the coaching moves that have happened this year apparently appear to be set for the long term. Lincoln Riley's not going anywhere. Like he's got the amount of time that he needs. He, he's going to get at it. At the worst, five years. There's a few that are probably a bit iffy, like Brian Kelly at LSU. The Natives could get restless just because of the uh, lack of familiarity in the area, but you've got to give him time. Um, Maybe Billy Napier at Florida as well because of the potential lack of pedigree for him. Uh, But yeah, college football has changed. I guess that's that's where we come to. College football has changed
1: yeah it's it's a fluid sport I'm not willing to lock down anything Uh, I mean I thought Dylan Gabriel was gonna be a superstar uh, quarterback UCLA
0: speaking of people cannot wait to watch him
1: get around the Bruins this year
0: yeah so Dylan Gabriel changes his mind he was committed to UCLA and I don't know the formalities of transfer portal commitments I assume they would have to sign a letter of intent. When you sign a letter of intent, you are no longer, A, allowed to be contacted by another school, but B, you're not allowed to, you are effectively committed to that school at that point. You cannot go anywhere else unless they choose to release you. If you commit on Instagram slash Twitter via some sort of graphic by Hayes Forsett, then, you know, that is not considered a binding contract, but as soon as you sign that letter of intent. Now, do transfer sign that letter of intent? I don't know. Graduating high school players do. I'm not sure what it is. Either way, Dylan Gabriel has changed his mind. He was locked into UCLA. He's now going to Oklahoma. Um, uh, I'm... It, it probably comes out a bit of a wash in terms of if Dylan, Ga- like Dylan Gabriel is a known commodity. Yes, you lose Caleb Williams. You get Dylan Gabriel, you can deal with that for a That's year. That's a step
1: down. That's a step down. Caleb it Williams, is a step down, Williams, but Dylan is Gabriel is
0: a good quarterback. Job. Like he's, it's, good. It's not, he's good, but it's not, not Caleb like, Williams. No, he's not, but it's not the disaster that it could have been if you were having to start. Who's the guy there now? Evers? who um, that's not a disaster, he's a four-star quarterback, but he is also unproven. So you get a proven guy at least for a year to settle in and and kind of go through the process. Lastly, Sam Howe declares for the NFL draft. No great surprises there. The UNC man leaves as the best passer in school history, I believe.
1: Can you uh, do me up a meme? Of uh, the one where the bloke's, like, hugging the chick and he's looking back at the other chick's yeah, butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's... Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Everyone knows Gabriel that. and UCLA and then uh, OU over there. You're
0: the I meme think. guy. You love your memes. And I, I, you just troll Twitter for those things.
1: I do. I do. And it's already been done. It's, it, it has to have been. But uh, oh, I would like sure. it. It'd be good.
0: All right. We have burnt through some clock here early days let's get to the college football semi-finals and we are going to start with alabama and cincinnati uh i can't even remember what bowl they played in not the orange bowl what was it come on you need to know this uh sugar bowl sugar was it the sugar bowl no no, that
1: was baylor and Ole miss
0: we are crushing it. It wasn't the Rose Bowl. It was the Will.
1: Uh, it wasn't the do. Fiesta Bowl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are the. F- this is a fucking disaster. Speaking of disasters, have you got it? No, you don't, do you?
1: No, no like I, I, I did not have it. Cotton Bowl. They played in the Cotton Bowl. They did play in
0: the Cotton Bowl. All right uh Presented by AT and T. Uh, this uh, game was
1: pretty shit, actually. I mean, the semi-finals in general were like so. Actually, so. it wasn't
0: even presented by AT and T. It was by Gucci. So let's fuck. It. <laughs> you can see I've already had a few beers. All right, let's bloody get this thing going, eh? First and goal from the eighth. Young throws has his throw deep to a open receiver inside the 10 jacore brooks down to the pylon touchdown alabama 73 yards rushing for robinson young
1: over the middle touchdown alabama cameron latu
0: Alabama 27, Cincinnati 6. This one went to script for the Tide. Controlled the clock with the run game and they set the tone early. Everybody that saw it knew it was happening on that first drive. Ran the ball like 10 straight times. I mean, they tried to pass once, but it was a penalty. Um, And then Slay Bolton catches that touchdown that we heard. And that really kind of you could have stopped watching right there and then because from that point on it was just out of control for Cincinnati not to some any kind of extreme level where they got absolutely massacred but you knew that that 335 defense was just struggling to hold up against that zone run uh by Brian Robinson who was fantastic he started an absolute heater had a the, the Alabama Crimson Tide had 100 rushing yards before the end of the first quarter. And from here, it, it just kind of went as you would expect. The defense allowed very little time. Des Ritter was under pressure. He had a heap of balls battered at the line of scrimmage. And you sent me a message. Is he five foot seven or something? Because this is a big dude and he could not get that ball over the line of scrimmage. Um, and Alabama played a lot of zone behind it, probably a little more than I thought they would. I know Josh Joe was out of the game, um, but they squeezed those windows tight and Des Ritter's accuracy isn't kind of what he's known for. And, and he just couldn't get that ball into that, that tight zone coverage. Uh, I don't really know what to say. I mean, Alabama really never looked troubled. The, the, the other big issue for Cincinnati outside of the, the inability to stop the run was getting anyone on the outside to win. Like, the receivers look so undersized and so physically different to what the Alabama defensive backs were like. They had, you know, you got a lot of speedy type small guys on the field. And as soon as they got into the red zone, you felt like they had more chance of scoring from the 40 than they did from the 10 because those small speedy wide receivers couldn't get loose in the condensed field and they had to settle for field goals. They went for it on fourth down a number of times and it just, it never happened. Like it never got close and Cincinnati uh, were off the pace. Uh, and, and this is like, I, I don't ha- i don't have heaps more for this, but like this was an Alabama team that is widely considered not the best Alabama team of all time by any means. Um, I'm not even... This was a team that wasn't even supposed to win the national championship. They're not even considered in there in the top kind of three or four. And they've come out here and completely decimated a group of five team. So the, the takeaway for me here is the group of five got their chance and they're just not there. There's a lot of teams that aren't there. I appreciate that. But Cincinnati certainly weren't.
1: Yeah, look, I don't think anyone else is putting up a better showing than what we saw here. This is just a, an, a really, really anymore. good team that was had a plan, and they executed it to perfection. They knew that they were going to be able to run the ball all over this Cincinnati team, and that's what they did. Cincinnati has really, really good pass defense. They've got two very talented future NFL cornerbacks starting uh, for that team, and they actually performed quite admirably. Like they, They kept Bryce Young to only 180 yards. Yes, he had the three scores. They were nice plays. He's the best player in college football, having won the Heisman. That's not a shock to see, but they had a game plan to just run this ball, and Brian Robinson, as you mentioned, stood up to the plate here and delivered on that. He had 204 yards through this one, which was an Alabama bowl record. Lots of records broken in the last few days too, by the way. I don't don't Mm -hmm. know what that's all about, but... Um, he was really, really good. And, and he's not a flashy runner. He's not a Najee who's like hurdling dudes. He's not a, a physical freak. Like, I mean, compared to you or I, yes, he is. But compared to the Alabama backs of old, he's more your meat and potatoes. But man, does he do the fundamentals right. And he delivers a whack every time. He pushes himself yeah, he forward. And he gets those. Round, doesn't he? Exactly right. He gets those two or three yards. And that's why like he's, he's been around six years now as a red shirt senior uh with, with this guy five or six years and, and that's a long time in a program that expects perfection in everything that you do so he's right there with all of that and he was really really good in this and and, and that was very much the difference uh, on the other side as you mentioned as well Cincinnati just couldn't get anything going offensively. They never really looked all that dangerous. All they could manage was two field goals on the day. Uh, they had a third where they got in the red zone, but then lost it on downs. Like it just, it wasn't happening for them. Desmond Ritter is a dynamic dual threat guy, but he just didn't look it. As I mentioned, he kept having balls batted down. He wasn't able to escape the pressure when it came. He wasn't able to challenge them with the legs, like we've seen some quarterbacks have success previously against his Alabama team with. It just didn't happen. Uh, he He was kind of running around scrambling. He ended up throwing the ball 32 times, but only completed 17 of them. It was 140 yards um, they actually they ran the ball okay. Jerome Ford uh, w- was not too bad in that instance, but they were behind the eight ball from the get go, and and they needed to to play catch up, and and it was just. Not the recipe that uh, Cincinnati wanted to see in order to have success in this game. I don't know how many times you have to play it to have Cincinnati win this one. There is a number, um, but Nick Saban is a hell of a coach. He's been doing this a long time. He's very good at what he does. Uh, he's prepared this team exceptionally well, and they they flexed. No surprise yeah, here.
0: They did, but without like it was done by the run game, and I I don't think to me like will anderson got you know defensive player of the game i don't think he was the difference maker yes he came on later uh, but i thought christian harris was a bit of the difference or even jordan battle at his safety position was really really good um filling the alley and and making some coverage plays as well Uh, i think Cincinnati also had some injuries you had white who the uh, as a wide receiver he is that big body type and he wasn't healthy and we saw him even go out of the game late injured as well and they just couldn't get him involved and he was one that was a bit of a um, someone that could physically hold up. And you say Brian Robinson, yeah, meat and potatoes, but he did most of his damage actually outside the tackles. Yes, he was getting help from his offensive line, obviously. You're not putting up over 200 yards without having a good day from the offensive line. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff was this stretch zone and, and getting to the perimeter. And, and that's where I thought actually Cincinnati might be able to be okay. Their linebackers you know, have always been, or, or recently have been physically on par. Like they could hold up at the point of attack. They can tackle well and bring guys to ground. They're experienced, they're six year seniors as well. So you've got some big physical bodies there. It's not the inexperienced, physically different. And and I don't mean that in a negative way, but by, when you get to um, group of five teams, a lot of the players just are a bit... Physic- they're not physical specimens that you get at the top end of college football. Um, so you might see a little bit of a shorter squatter linebacker, someone without the range, or someone who's a bit skinnier that is forced to play down in the box. Cincinnati, you've got the pieces that you would hope that defensively they could hold up, and they just couldn't against the run. and. Um, when it comes down to it, the difference in both of these games was the line play. And Alabama's offensive line dominated, and we'll get to the next game as well. And and that was certainly um, an expose on how to play in the trenches.
1: Definitely. And, like, not only how they play, but you could see the physical mismatch. Like, it it stood out on on the screen when you were watching it. Alabama's – like, Evan Neal is a massive dude. He stands out amongst his own O-line, but it's just – Crazy.
0: What does this mean for group of five teams? Like, and I know that the four teams <laughs> playoff is, is not lasting until,
1: until it's expanded. But you're not, yeah, okay. yeah. That's essentially what we're going to see on the back of this, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. I mean, this. I have no issues with them playing in it. Who do you put in over them? A Notre Dame team who finished five, who lost to them during the year and then lost in the Fiesta Bowl anyways. Like, it it doesn't make sense. That was the right call. It's just Alabama are better on the day and are a better team. Yeah. Um,
0: Anyway. All right, let's move on to the Orange Bowl. Georgia and Michigan. Uh and here we are again, SEC, SEC. He, he did
1: not come down with the team reports of his COVID, but number 30, key safety for the Wolverines is in there. On first and goal, Bennett to Bowers, and Brock Bowers scores, in Georgia draws first block. Back and going to throw it, Loves to the end zone, caught, touchdown, Mitchell! Bennett. backpedals, screen heaves down, fail!
0: the safety goes to the middle of the field so it's one-on-one and there's pressure but he does a good job of getting up watch four he just he's just kind of gave up on it. uh I, I i just can't figure out why i don't know if he just lost the football or what it might have been he's okay he's okay he's okay and he stops i don't think he expected the ball to be thrown or maybe he didn't realize it was in the air yeah, I think that Kirk Herbstreet Street call was, was really accurate. Michigan just didn't really know what was happening. And I remember messaging you uh, with Aiden Hutchinson. They had the camera as they were coming down the tunnel, and Aiden Hutchinson was just looking out into the stands and smiling and having a great time. And I was like, this dude has got no idea what's about to hit him. Uh, in terms of how big and nasty this is going to be for Michigan. And it was um, 34 to 11. This game, if anything, was worse than the Alabama-Cincinnati game. Michigan wanted to run the ball. They couldn't. Georgia could. Uh, and we mentioned it earlier, but it was the it was the line play. They completely dominated the Bulldogs on both sides of the line. Nakobe Dean was a freak from his linebacker position, but he wasn't alone. Trey Walker was everywhere as well. Um, and Michigan went to two quarterbacks: JJ McCarthy, Cade McNamara struggled to make any plays for the Wolverines. And offensively, I didn't love their game plan. I know they wanted to try and get this Georgia defense sideline to sideline by using quick hitting screens, a bit of motion, timing routes to kind of negate that front seven. And I appreciate that, but it just didn't work. And you end up squeezing the field. And that's the benefit of having a really good defense because those safeties can sneak up. They can trust that pass rush that it's going to get home. Um, and everything just got a little bit condensed for Michigan, despite some early success with Josh Gaddis calling some okay plays. Um, And then from there, like, it was 14-0 before you know. The route was on, turnovers, penalties. um, And now a lot of questions get asked about Michigan's next steps, but let's not jump into that too early. I'm sure I'll get to that in a second. But what were your kind of key takeaways in this particular destruction of the Wolverines?
1: Oh, look, it was a destruction. It was brutal. Uh, Georgia scored on all five of their first possessions and just – did it with some ease. Uh, and and as you said, this Michigan team did not seem prepared. They didn't seem like they, they knew what they were getting themselves into with this one. Uh, With what we talked about in the Cincinnati and the group of five about how, you know, they, they perhaps shouldn't be invited. I think the same applies to any non Ohio state big 10 team, because they're now the second team, Michigan, Michigan state, both of them have just been trashed. So let's, let's put them in that bucket as well. Uh, I think, what, anyone in the Pac-12... Sorry, Pac-12 don't even make it, but the Big 12, when they make it, they get tracked. Like, there's so few teams who who are ready for this and built for this, and it it just wasn't there for Michigan there was always a concern coming in that they haven't played in these big games and that not only have they not played in them but the big games that they do have which are against Ohio State every year they haven't done well yes this year was different and yes we were hoping to see something different but we didn't and and it was really a little bit disappointing to see how one-sided this was uh, what really stood out for me in this game watching it N'Kobe Dean like we have talked about him all year but he was a weapon in this one he He was flying about the place, making plays, sideline to sideline. Like A lot of uh, pro football followers salivating over what potential he could bring to a team uh, about that. The other thing, uh, Stetson Bennett, this is more what they need from him. He obviously had a down game in the SEC Championship game. Now, he's got another shot. He's got the, the national championship ahead of him, and he needs to be much more like this uh, in that one. And then it's going to be a different level of defense, I guess. Like it theoretically shouldn't be, because uh, Alabama's defense isn't kind of, like, Michigan's defense was quite good this year. They they, they put up numbers that, that rivaled that, so it should be the same, but Kirby Smart came out after this one and said, you know, we didn't play, like, we weren't drastically different than what we were in the SEC championship game, where they kind of got walked off the field. Like, we weren't calling a whole bunch of new plays. This was the same stuff. We just executed it a lot better here. So I don't know if that's an indictment on Michigan and how poor yeah, they are.
0: Yeah, 100% is that.
1: Or whether they got their shit together and, and, and they just played really poorly in that Bama game and, and were kind of just out of, out of whack, out of sync. So, I don't know. It, it, it shapes up for an interesting one. I think both you and I were hoping this wouldn't be the case and, like, most yeah. people who, who like a bit of an underdog story or something different, like, we, we get the rematch, we get the replay. I think it's going to be an even one. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But I just, yeah, it's... It was both of these games, not exciting, not too too fun to watch. I think I actually checked out of this one uh, at some point in the third quarter.
0: I'll bet you I was earlier. Uh, (laughs) To me, the two big takeaways from this is, firstly, Georgia did a really good job of taking away the two threats. David Ajabo, who I've kind of mentioned a fair bit from his kind of outside linebacker or stand-up rush end, who had, had come on in the second half of the year, uh, was held without a tackle. Aiden Hutchinson was completely irrelevant. Um, and Michigan just couldn't get... They just looked... And you mentioned them looking totally unprepared. They couldn't get lined up. We saw simply Georgia flipping the strength of the play. That's all they did. They just went to a full shift from a trips bunch to the right to a trips bunch to the left on the goal line Um, it uh, may have even been the first touchdown can't remember Um, and all of a sudden there were players everywhere getting struggling to get lined up there were linebackers out of position um, you know defensive ends trying to get from the weak side to the street it was just a mess and I was like how can you not be ready for a shift like that surely you practice that you're ready for that when they flip the strength you know how to match that up and um I know that 's very a very simplistic view for me, but they just really struggled to get themselves organized and and, and ready um, and that happened on the offensive side as well um, Georgia on the other hand, looked totally prepared and, and ready to roll so um I, I mean yeah that really disappointed for michigan i I, I, I wanted to see them come to the table the second thing is i suppose george bounced back quickly from a disappointing sec championship game loss um, and now open as favorites against the tide uh, but and we'll get to this in just a second to me and as kirby smart mentioned they didn't do anything special they did what they've been doing well all year and that's run the ball play good defense and then allow stetson bennett time and space to make good decisions in the past game they're gonna have to do that again. There's the hot tip for you. Uh, all right, let's get to the other game. So some disappointing semi-finals again. So average before this weekend, average margin in the semi-final was 21 points, which clearly goes to show that the semi-final is a waste of time and that a top four and even expanding this doesn't support the idea of expanding the
1: playoff because you're getting but the, gonna but the end three team beat blight. the two team. And if we have more games, we're more likely for one of them to be close. So,
0: qu- <laughs> so question for you: Do you think the uh, playoff committee, because we know the playoff committee manipulate the semi-finals to get what they want? If it was just the two teams in the national championship, would it have been Alabama, Georgia? I don't think. Do so. you think? I, I, don't don't speak think it off. Off. I don't think
1: they could have. I don't think they could have.
0: So one lost Georgia in the SEC championship game. Yes, it was to Alabama. and We've already seen it. Because we'd already seen it. If if it had
1: been earlier in the year, we would have seen the old LSU Alabama one. But because it was literally the week before and then then it would have been the next game, I don't think you could have.
0: Which would have been maybe even worse. All right. I still think you've got to win your conference. Anyway, uh, Oklahoma State 37, Notre Dame 35. This one goes down as a record in that Notre Dame haven't lost after being up by three touchdowns since 2004. They did that on this occasion. Oklahoma um, State never, mainly won.
1: On... never won by being more, uh, 21 points down.
0: No shit. You're playing the Big 12. If you're 21 <laughs> points down, you're more likely to lose by 400 nah, than to points come back
1: Um, Mainly on the
0: back of Tay Martin's big day um, Some timely quarterback scrambles by Spencer Sanders But overall, how did this one happen, Will?
1: Look, it was all Notre Dame early They came ready to go and were prepared uh, And Oklahoma State were not They looked really uh, patchy early on They were not having any minutes they were giving up big plays they were very predictable on third down when uh blitzing like it's it's a well-known jim Knowles, uh former defensive coordinator who left uh this game for, to take up his post at ohio state uh well known he likes to blitz right and and i think the guys like who, What did did Knowles used to do when uh, when it was third down? It's like, well, just engage eight. Let's send everyone. And, like, there was one play where they just walk everyone up to the line and the quarterback just kind of looks and makes a quick check and everyone comes and he just dumps it over to the running back and he goes in on a 50-yard score. And, like, everyone watching is like, that was weird. Uh, and obvious and easy but whatever like that was part of the adjustments and Notre Dame were were well and truly rolling they they were dominating up front their offensive line was more than what Oklahoma State had seen all year like Oklahoma State's defensive line had been really good and the strength of this uh, team and early on they were just getting completely owned the the big white boys at Notre Dame there, the big Catholics, were just manhandling and pushing people around and, and controlling that line of scrimmage. <laughs> big Catholics. Um, but then it, it, uh, it started to shift right on on the knock of halftime. Right beforehand, they had a fourth and one Notre Dame at around midfield and decided to punt the ball away. And, and that there sparked uh, an Oklahoma State rally, I suppose. So they, they went on, they, they took that drive down and managed to get seven points and take a bit of momentum in the half uh, so that they were down 28-14. And then from there, Oklahoma State came out, first drive with the ball, next half, scored again and were well and truly rolling. And, and this is where Things started to get a little bit shaky for Notre Dame. Uh, the the dominance that they had up front started to waver a little bit. One of the key things we'd seen from Oklahoma State all year was the ability to make defensive adjustments. They, they might give up a, a score or two in the first half, but they were elite at just not conceding after that. And we saw that again. They were really, really strong in in this one. Uh, they only gave up the one score quite late after they'd got two scores up in, in the last... Uh, and and are dominant. Malcolm Rodriguez, uh, All-American. I think he was second-team All-American in the end. Uh, linebacker is just fantastic. sure tackler. He, he probably doesn't have a pro career ahead of him because he's a bit short and he's not necessarily an athletic specimen. But the dude knows football. The dude can tackle. And and he's fantastic. Like he, He's one of those college football uh, legends. And, and he will be at Oklahoma State. So um, ma- massive game for both quarterbacks um i think jack cone would he would he throw up 40 passes or more 50 60 yeah, like,
0: like he was gonna trash you guys early
1: it did and and he was on and i think but i think he ended up with like 60 passes or something on the day which if you're a notre dame fan and you were told you know jack Cohn's gonna have 60 passes you're like how much did we lose by because that is terrifying <laughs> news and he was really good early where spencer standards was, was was quite awful and then it, it did flip a little bit. Spencer Sanders became really, really good down the half. And, and that, this is kind of the, the maddening play that you see from the, the big fella. He, uh, he turned it on, as you mentioned, with his legs as much as anything. Um, just able to make some big first downs when needed. Uh, Gundy... I mean, we we you talk about the coaching and, and how important it is, and like I, I've obviously always been a, a big fan and and recognise the work that he's done. But that's now uh, sixteen consecutive bowl games. He's got an eleven and five record across the journey. That's it's pretty good going for a program that's yeah. certainly not considered top tier. Um, and look, fantastic result for the Cowboys. Probably up there with the best season ever uh, at Oklahoma State. Which sounds
0: ridiculous. And that that kind of brings me to kind of a couple of points here. And I'll come back to that one if I can. But if I told you you were going to score 37, as in the Cowboys were going to score 37, you probably think this is a blowout.
1: You not the best defensive effort than... for the year? Yeah, no, certainly not. Uh, early on, I mean, it was at 28 points in the first half. We were getting gashed mm. and, and they were doing it... Um, Doing it easily uh, in, in that first half there. Uh, and secondly, an
0: unexpected season. Yes, one of their best, but unexpected. Like, you didn't put a lot of faith in Spencer Sanders. You obviously come on the back of losing Tuba Hubbard, um, all those wide
1: receivers
0: through Taylor time. Wallace, whether Wallace, yeah. Um, Tylan Wallace, uh, even Washington before that. You know, you, you've you had this kind of stream of wide receivers. They're all kind of gone, and you, you had... Presley, but he was like a true freshman last year, or a redshirt yeah, freshman. Yeah, redshirt we didn't freshman really last know. year. So yeah, or, or didn't a whole really bunch know of what we're getting. So, so to. Like in terms of achievement and and then defense this year, you've got to be really impressed.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I mean, and I think that's why uh, Gundy comes out and said that this is the most impressive season that he's seen because we didn't expect it. They weren't ranked in the top twenty-five. They didn't have a whole bunch of high-profile names. They don't have any dudes getting any draft buzz whatsoever. Like, th- there's a couple of players who might be day three picks, but it, it is a group that has just come together with a bunch of experience, uh benefited from the super senior uh availability, like I said we might see, and uh yeah, have, have performed really, really well. Still couldn't win the Big Twelve though. So no, maybe, one, next, one, year, maybe, one yard maybe next year. <laughs> maybe and, next year. And that one yard would have cost us to get reamed by Alabama. Uh,
0: all right a high state come from behind to beat utah 48 45 really entertaining game this one jackson smith and jigba um, and cj stroud set all kind of crazy records stroud was 37 and 46 for 573 and six touchdowns he was only a three yards short maybe of an all-time bowl record smith and jigba 15 receptions for 347 and three tds himself he actually probably should have had more if he didn't fumble Um, but uh, this was a wild game special team gaffs crazy runs turnovers Um, a backup quarterback for Utah asked to go on a game winning drive having never thrown a ball in college and he actually did that (laughs) and I mean, how did Ohio State get so far behind in this one? And then how did they scramble their way back into a winning position?
1: Well, Ohio State were shorthanded coming into this. There's some stat that they had something like 36 scholarship players unavailable. uh, And that's like from the start of the season. So that's dudes who had long-term injuries or COVID opt-outs, the the whole deal. Uh, That's a lot. That's a lot of guys, and, and yes, everyone's like, oh yeah, but the backup five star just gets to come in and play. It's like, yeah, but he's never played before, and he's also eighteen, mm. and he's got piss running down. Like, like it's, it, it is going to impact you, and I think you saw it more on the defensive side, like it was Utah dominating, and and they just couldn't stop him. Utah were um, and their boy Cam Rising was just having mm. a field day dissecting Looks them, like cutting a them apart. And it looked like he was just going to score a touchdown on every drive that they had. Like, it was no question. And as soon as uh, Ohio State had fallen behind, it was like, well, they're not going to be able to get a chance to catch up because they're never going to stop Utah. They're, they're just going to yeah, yeah. keep keep running. <laughs> they're going to keep going here. And, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba, his day was phenomenal. Like, Utah had their their issues too, so they uh, were actually starting their third string running back at corner on him. Uh, so so you do need a bit of an asterisk against. Like they they'd had a number of injuries themselves, so he was running around, and then this same guy was also getting carries, uh, toting the ball. Like he was playing true two way football. But like also just getting toasted like just getting absolutely <laughs> reamed but one of the better wide receivers in all of college football like it's it's no shame yeah. it's just it's a rough outing where like you know you've just been reamed it's like alright now we need you to go run into some big fellas and you know yeah. you might get some water it's the old like back when we played you just don't get off it's uh, like yeah. can, I, can I have yeah. special teams off like you're kidding yourself if you think you're getting off a special team <laughs> Uh, yeah
0: memories Um, but a really entertaining Rose Bowl so that was uh, absolutely it was
1: was. it was was fantastic to watch like it was was what I wanted I I was chatting to a friend of the show Hugh Deagle Stevens Uh, he's he's a Pac-12 guy USC guy I think he was hoping Utah would Mm -hmm. get around and I was like I just want a good game Like I'm just hoping for something entertaining and then kind of towards the end he's like yeah (laughs) "That's, (laughs) that's pretty good pretty good
0: Uh, Baylor beat Ole Miss 21-7 in Dave Aranda's first year at Baylor to go from, I say bottom, I'm using that term um, a little bit haphazardly here. But, uh, you know, Baylor were not good last year. uh, And they go from that to a sugar bowl. Really, really impressive. Really impressive. The big news in this one, though, the game itself was a flop. Matt Corral comes out with an injury which looked relatively serious at the time uh, and just goes to confirm. And I hate opt-outs in bowl games. If you're going to opt out of a bowl game, why aren't you opting out as soon as your team is ineligible for uh, your conference championship? Like, to me, that would – like, you might as well – as soon as your season's done, you might as well opt out. Don't give me this bowl game crap. As soon as you
1: put enough good stuff on tape, you're like, you know what? Or that. That looks pretty good. I'm done.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, Matt Corral didn't do that because we love Matt Corral. He's a, an awesome player and, and goes about it the right way um, despite his high school alcohol problems, which <laughs> unconfirmed, So unconfirmed. Uh, but, you know, he comes out with an injury now and that puts him in some doubt around
1: his lead up into the NFL draft. It certainly does. Uh, Look, initial uh, reports that came out from Lane Kiffin uh, that the x-rays were negative, so that's good, but I don't think this is one of those x-ray deals, right? It it seemed like it was probably a knee injury. Uh, uh, I think at this stage, you know, you kind of look towards the ACL, which is super disappointing, but a lot of dudes come back from that if it is just the standard straight-up-and-down regular-ass ACL. And that's what... Like, hopefully it's better than that. Hopefully it's, like, PCL or, or something friendly. But, um... It it it's you hate to see it. You absolutely hate to see it because you're right. He is a guy who came out openly and said, "Look, I want to play for this program. I'd be nowhere without these guys. They gave me the opportunity. That like they've given me everything. So I want to I want to pay that back. And you know if if something happens to me, it was almost tempting fate with this statement when you look back at it. Something happens to me, then so be it. Like it's it's out of my hands, sort of Mm. thing. And and then it did, and I'm like, oh, that's not a good one for religion. Well, maybe it is, depending on how you look at it. I'm not sure. Um, but it it's it was really poor to see. And then after that, they had uh, their backup quarterback into the game, and it was just a real dour affair. Uh, neither team really looked like challenging the scorers for most drives that were, were taking part. Baylor were able to kind of get a pick six uh, quite early on in the piece, and, and that like it might be enough for a long while there. Uh, the <laughs> Ole Miss kind of came back to life in the second half and put up a score and you're like, oh, maybe they can do something. But there was no more of that from them. And, and then Baylor had a couple of good drives, uh, put it away and it cap what is one of the more impressive turnarounds from a program we've seen in recent history, really. Like Dave Veranda has done a fantastic job. As you mentioned, they're at the bottom of the Big 12. And this is a school that, recently was quite good like they had won a big 12 not all that long ago but then they went through quite like a whole bunch of scandal and that can often destroy a school like we only have to look at Miami and how long's it been since that like you're still waiting right like it 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 can have a severe impact on how you turn that around and, and they've gone and plucked over Randor from LSU and the dude is just like no emotion. He's got nothing. Uh, even no. when they like dumped him with Gatorade, he was just like stone-faced, like he didn't even feel it. I'm like, this dude ain't right. Was, he's just different. And hey, he brings out the best in his program. So uh, Baylor, fantastic cap, a fantastic year uh, and would be absolutely thrilled.
0: Sugar Bowl and a Big 12. Um, and they'll be set to go and dominate the conference from here on out with texas and are you vacating so there will really be no other challenges from the boys from texas so texas is one true team all right uh kentucky beat iowa 20 to 17 you would love that arkansas 24 penn state 10 wake 38 get their win over ruckers and central michigan filling in for miami Beat Washington State twenty-four to twenty-one. So anything oh, on those the
1: four Pat games? Twelve just cannot like they cannot take a trick. They they just have had a horrific bowl season again. Like real questions are going to be asked about their status uh, on on the back of some of this stuff. Utah looked quite good. Like they they, they looked all right, but they still managed to find a way to lose that uh, there's just its it's super disappointing um for for them uh arkansas i think you mentioned there that they need to be recognized as well as a program that have not won more than four games in a long time and for them to turn around win the outback bowl against a, a Penn state team that's eh, Not too bad. Shit. (laughs) Um, And poorly coached. It's still a really good year for them, right? Like, they're going to end up with probably a top 15 finish. Uh, I mean, SEC bias, they might jump in the top 12. Um, (laughs) But, like, they they have been quite good and they'd be thrilled with what Sam Pittman's been able to generate there. Uh, And it's good to see. Like, we kind of get sick of seeing the same old guys doing it. So to have a program like Arkansas turn things around, I think is a good thing. Fair enough. All right, I am going to put a timer on
0: this, that because that kind of brings. Unless there's any other games that you want to talk about from bowl season, that pretty much wraps things up.
1: No, yeah, I think that's good. It was a hell of a bowl season. It it was good fun. I know you were kind of ragging on a little bit in the lead up too, but a little bit.
0: Still am. Still think it, it was. A lot of the
1: games, if you if you were just watching them for what they were, enjoyable feeling. And like it, it's tough to argue that. The, the Tennessee-Purdue one, that was good fun. Uh, Tennessee got hosed, but that was a, a <laughs> cracking matchup. Um, and yeah. we got robbed of more of it, which we could have had if, uh, if that one wasn't blown dead early.
0: Uh, okay, let's move on. This is going to be a very quick preview of Georgia and Alabama. So this will be the national championship game. This occurs on the 10th here. Uh, in Australia now this is a is repeat right? of the SEC, uh, yeah, SEC yeah, championship 11th game 10th year, 11th, 11th is it the 11th is
1: it I believe so yeah 10th, Okay. That's otherwise I've taken that's an extra run. day's leave for no reason
0: okay <laughs> uh, a repeat of the SEC championship game I don't have anything new in this because Georgia didn't really shock me in terms of what they produced in the semi-final I think if they can stay out in front of it which didn't happen so remember in the SEC championship game, and i 'm going off the top of my head here i haven't actually can 't remember were they up fourteen nothing
1: ten nothing ten nothing and yeah. then just
0: got trashed and fell behind. they can like that can 't happen. they cannot get that blitz on by Alabama and end up in a in a touchdown hole because we know Stetson Bennett isn 't built to come from behind. He looks fantastic when you can control the run game, control the defense. Um, and allow things to happen. It is a short turnaround, so it's a little bit difficult to, you know, really lean into what, like, what change is going to be made, how much can you implement in that time. Sure, you, you're going to put in some plays, you're going to put in a few different um, formations and, and a few uh, little series off of those. I, I appreciate that. But, you know, you've got John Mechie out. So if if Georgia can now take away Jamison Williams, we didn't see, you know, Slade Bolt made a couple of catches and you know yes um, Jale- um Jaleel the tight end from Jaleel Billingsley uh, made some catches and Cameron Latu caught that touchdown but it was really the Brian Robinson run game so I think if you can take Jamison Williams away and you can take the run game away you're forcing the ball into somebody else who they're not super confident in going to um, and we saw Bryce Young when they got some pressure on him. Cincinnati did at, at the end of the at the end of the first half and started the second half in the semi final when he was under pressure. He he doesn't look as comfortable because no quarterback is. If they can keep that up for a full sixty minutes, I believe they've got a chance. And that's all I really give them is a bit of a chance people are saying oh we should deserve the replay it'll be closer than 17 points which they lost by last time don't give a shit they lost by 17 this shouldn't really be happening but it, the recipe is pressure for four quarters it has to be take Jamison williams away take the running game away and then see how you go from there uh, i i i just don't i still don't see a way in which i, I put too much stock in Saban out-coaching Kirby here, whatever that looks like. If that means they go more QB run, uh, whatever that looks like, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, we know in the... S- and again, I'm rambling here because I've got no notes on this. I'm just talking on the top of my head, so I do apologize. But we saw a lot of like quick screen game and, and getting, getting the ball on the perimeter fast last time to really tire out and negate Nakobe Dean to take away Davis up the middle. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they go back to that plan or what changes you do get to see if you can keep that defense on its heels.
1: Yeah, look, I know one of your favorite take sayings... Take whatever you want from that. <laughs> one of your favorite sayings around the NFL is, is that it's interesting because you get teams playing other teams multiple times, which is a big difference to what we have here. So coaching really comes into it. When you have multiple matchups against the same team, adjustments need to be made, and, and, and it is a factor. When you look at this, you go, well, I've got more faith in Nick Saban as a coach. So ooh, that that kind of has you leaning one way, but I'm still sitting on the George train. I picked him at the start of the year. Uh, we, we've ended up with a matchup, which I mean, for all the chaos and carnage and fun upsets and the most upsets in the top 25 we've ever had, we had Alabama 1 and Georgia 3 at the start of the year. We had Alabama 1 and Georgia 3 at the end of the year, and now we get the two of them facing off in this uh, (laughs) national championship game. Like, it is disappointing that it's come to this, but I'm I'm sticking to my prediction that Georgia... Uh, would win from the start of the year like I, I had them. I think they've got the talent. I'm taking that SEC Championship game as more of the aberration. I think this defense is better than what got showed there. They did well and truly get out coached, but they have more opportunity to learn from that and to improve on that. And I fully expect them to. They, they have put together one of the all-time years from a defensive side of things – Without that one game, and I I know we can't take a get out that one game because that's who they're playing this week, but I think that they have the dudes, and I would be shocked if at both Athens and Tuscaloosa there's not a group of people being employed to wear hazmat suits and like those chemical sprayers with like I don't know aquarium gel that they just kind of like have broken down into like a watery spray that they just walk around behind the players, in front of the players, and and just kind of like spray everything to keep these guys healthy and up and about, um, because we don't want to see that impacting on this mm. and 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 hopefully we know we it's don't. had a
0: huge impact in the NFL. Like I know you're sort of speaking a little facetiously there, but there is a chance that this game does get hammered by COVID, and and you would hate to see that.
1: Like that just that's not what we want. Absolutely. But like, if I go back to my uh, original Saban, uh, the better coach. I think we can both agree that. It's, a, it's an important factor, especially in a rematch. We've got Bryce Young and Stetson Bennett. Who, who's your pick there? The, the Heisman winner or the guy who walked on and, you know, performs admirably? I'm probably taking Bennett, right? So uh, <laughs> it, It's Young. So they've got the quarterback. They've got the coach. That screams uh, Alabama. But going back, they
0: haven't always put it together, though. They haven't exactly, exactly right.
1: My counter to that is, we had a point in time this year after Alabama just scraped over against Florida, a pretty average Florida team. They won thirty-one to twenty-nine. Two weeks later, they lost a seventeen-point favorite to Texas A&M. We had Alabama fans coming out going, "This team ain't for real." Like I, I, I'm. But I'm still thick and thin. Them, and that's I'm the thick and thin. Part. I'm, I'm the through them. Part, exactly right. They, they stuck with them. I'm even still a they, fan,
0: even though they lost. Okay, dickhead.
1: Even though that they recognise that this isn't one of the best teams of all. Like that was that was kind of the rhetoric. This uh, this uh, uh, Alabama team is not that good. Georgia are much better than us, and we're not that good. And mm. now it's just completely flipped it on its head, and it's like Alabama are the world beaters. Vegas don't see that. Uh the
0: the only issue that I do see with that is whilst Alabama hadn't played well, their last two weeks suggests otherwise. I mean it's which clicking is now, right? again a sign of <laughs> coaching and if it's all coming together for them. Um, then I think, yeah, danger, danger time again.
1: I I, I read a fun stat on this one. I I will wind it up because I don't have much more to talk about. Fun stat on this one. Bama, two and a half point underdog. Only the second time since October 3, 2015 that they've been an underdog. The other time was a few weeks ago against Georgia. They're just always favorite, (laughs) which is nuts. Uh, Look, I'm looking forward to it. I'm... Backing Georgia and I think it's more of a heart side here because I made the call early in the year because I, Georgia haven't won in 41 years. Um, how um, does this
0: play out though? Like, how do you see this game going in terms of schematically? Like for me, I think Alabama go. I think they go to the screen game again. I, I don't. I don't think you're going to get success on the edges running the. Ball. and I know this takes a little bit more film, deep dive than what we've done, but I don't think you're gonna run outside as much. I think you're gonna see a lot of misdirection. You're gonna see a lot of different stuff in the backfield. You're gonna see screens looking left and then come back the right. Try and confuse um, and get these guys moving side to side, but you can't do it in the same way that you did last time. So well, you don't Alabama have went, this time either.
1: No, they went,
0: they went like now screens, they went quick screens. You're gonna have to, I, I wouldn't surprise me to see, look for Brian Robinson. Um, look for Trey Sanders to get involved in the screen game. I could see more, still more screen game, because I think you want that misdirection, but I think it comes maybe more from the running backs this time rather than the wide receivers. Um, so look for that. Uh, and maybe maybe a little bit more pistol even from Alabama. I don't know if this is going to happen, but maybe a little bit more pistol and, and see if you can get some play action happening um, and get these guys deep down the field. Um, on some play action stuff. So I, I think a heavy dose of misdirection, whether that's in the pass game or the run game, is what you're going to get from Alabama. On the Georgia side, I think they're going to go, you say meat and potatoes, I think you know what you're going to get from Georgia. You are going to get a, uh, I was going to say a medium rare, but if it's meat and potatoes, you're going well, you're going well done, you're going the broccoli's overcooked and the potatoes are mushy as fuck with like a, a, like at least a kilo of butter on top. And... And, you know, maybe a little grind of pepper, but not too much because that's kind of spicy. Um, but, like, it is going to be predictable. And if if they can't beat you that way, then they're not going to win. I don't think George would go out there and go and do something drastically different to what they've already done. They're going to want to try and run the ball. They're going to want to try and muscle you up front. And they're going to want to play good defense. And if they can't do that, which we saw in the SEC Championship game, they couldn't. If they can't do it again, they lose this game. So they I guess they're gonna, you know, double down on what they do well, which kinda makes sense, but it does. I, it does. I don't know and it's, it's adjustments.
1: Going. And as I said when we were talking about the Michigan game, they didn't go away from it then. And and I think you're right. I think they stick with it now. They just try and adjust. They dive into that and it's much smaller adjustments, but they make those adjustments on what is the core of this football team. Elite defence and then feeding it feeding it and letting that happen so I think it's going to be a close game I think it's going to be within one score Uh, I'm I'm taking Georgia but I'm not putting any money on it because we know the rules well I'm
0: taking Bama so uh, there you go I just think you're going to get more out of Bryce Young when when the nerves go on and and Stetson Bennett has to make a play and and hit that wide receiver in stride or punch it into a small window can he do it? he's he's, he's
1: shown he can like he's shown nerves I don't think are going to be the issue it's it's more weather. Yeah, no, but Will he, Anderson's but up we, his we saw
0: we saw him melt in the SEC championship game when he was forced to carry the team. I just don't think he's going to carry the team. There's going to be times where they need to lean on him to do that. Anyway, this episode is drifting hard. You wanted to touch on championship draft, so very quickly. Yeah, just us up. quickly. What do you got?
1: So Alabama win would get you an extra 15 points. currently 22 down. Uh, So that would help, obviously, shift things uh, your way. You have Purdue, Wisconsin, and Kentucky all receiving votes at the moment. And they all won their bowl game. So there's a chance that they jump in and all make you some dollars. Unfortunately, Utah, your other team that you have that has some money, uh, lost. But I think they lost admirably. They might even make some money on the back of that loss. So where it doesn't help you, though, is I had Ohio State. You really needed a bit of a flip there. You needed a point mm. differential to help you out. Uh, mm. I have San Diego State who are receiving votes. They won their bowl game. Uh, I have Arkansas uh, who won their bowl game. I have Pitt who won their bowl game. Um, so, oh, and Clemson, Clemson, Iowa State were some dollars at the moment. Also won their bowl game. So, what you needed to have happen was for you to do we're well, all winners, which, which you have what I've heard is that we're all winners. <laughs> we we are we hey, if there's one thing we can do is pick bowl winners across the season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah. yeah it look, looks like you're going to yeah, get me in the championship draft. It's, it's looking unlikely. But we'll yeah. see. we'll run the numbers.
0: Unless Alabama beat Georgia by like 70. Oh, no, Georgia have to finish second, don't they? It's
1: I mean, really... no, if they lose by 70, <laughs> I'm happy to kick them out to 12.
0: <laughs> All right, and let's finish with going on the punts.
1: I still don't believe this, because I thought you had four or five. No, nah, yeah, I, I was close to four or five. I was getting well oh, ahead close of to was, four or yeah, five. Yeah, I was close to four or five. Which uh, I was excited. I was three for three, uh, at which point I was seven for eight through the bowl season. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, that is good for you, when the game totally
0: unpredictable. So you go well in bowl season at the start of the year when no one knows what the fuck's going exactly.
1: on. Exactly. That's, that's when I shine. Then they all figure oh. me out. Um, I had Iowa to win and they really fuck it we didn't talk about that game but they had to work as hard as they could to lose that one Like, they, <laughs> I want to see the win percentage thing because it would have been in the 90s for Iowa surely in that and somehow they managed to punt the ball on fourth and one rather than I don't know getting a yard as a power run team uh, whatever that's cool your defense is elite you won't give up an 80 yard dr- oh no you will by just not laying tackles at all and any and then sweet now Spencer Petras has got two minutes to work down the field and and win you a game and, and two players uh, later he's thrown a pick and it's over so that was ba- that's that's my bad but I still feel like it wasn't a great beat because uh, I felt really good towards the end of that one and that would have been it would have made for an interesting last game but it didn't matter in the end because I had Ole miss over Baylor and as soon as Matty Correa went down down that uh, that spelt it for the rebels so in the end, uh, I, I lost the twenty-nine units uh, with the three of five, uh, taking the the year total to negative four two seven, which is not good. Uh, and thirty-five <laughs> picks correct Grand down the drain. Thirty-five picks correct out of eighty. Oh,
0: zing! It's not good. It's not good. It's not good, mate. You have to listen to me next year. Uh, All right, that brings us to the end of our semi-final recap and a very brief, abridged version of the National Championship preview. Again, not a whole heap to kind of report on. You guys have seen them all year. Enjoy it. Hopefully, we get a bit of a spectacle. Um, Don't expect Georgia to do anything special and see if Saban can out-coach his former uh, defensive coordinator in Kirby Smart. Uh, any final thoughts, William?
1: No, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Just enjoy the game. If if you're lucky enough to be able to watch it here, um, enjoy it. Uh, it's, it should be some good fun stuff. If not, try the the Aaron Kemp blackout. Try your best. Uh, yeah. Turn your phone off. I know that's incredibly difficult for most people in this day and age. I would struggle with that. But... Do your best and then watch it live because uh, it's a special time of year. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a fun year. Can't but believe even, we're at the end of Like
0: already. Even my concerns about like, I might have to get like English Jess to even get it up on YouTube because obviously YouTube will have it up within probably four or five hours of the game finishing. Uh, but even like going opening... Like a laptop, yeah. and like, <laughs> I might it's even risky. have to get her to do it. So, um, yeah. Anyway, we will, we'll, we'll see. But enjoy your national championship. This is the end of season 2021. Um, plenty more stuff to come over the off season. We're not going to hang around anymore tonight here because it's been a long one. I assume I've got no idea. Will you're crunching the numbers there? A while. We've been it's been a while all right um so on behalf of that guy over there thank you very much for joining us enjoy the finale my name's aaron that is will and we will see you next time